From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Rube, thank you very much. It's me, it's Mike, it is Mike Davidson Lives. Thanks for downloading my latest podcast, you and me, for the next half hour. Try to keep it interesting, and I think I can, because there's quite a bit to talk about. Uh, Here, this latest go-around. President's Day weekend, as we honor such um, heavyweights as James Buchanan and Rutherford B. Hayes. Uh, By the way, I jokingly refer to Rutherford B. Hayes as one of the uh, better presidents of our country's history. I don't think anybody remembers anything about his legacy, but my wife's like, oh yeah, his, his, his wife was uh, Lemonade Lucy. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, anytime somebody was at the White House, his wife Lucy would serve Lemonade. I guess that was just her thing, Lemonade Lucy. That almost sounds kind of like um, a hooker name. And I can get away with saying that because uh, Lemonade Lucy's no longer with us. Hasn't been with us for probably about a century and a half now. Uh, speaking of no longer with us, R.I.P. to the late great Richard Belzer. He died over this weekend at the age of 78, stand-up comedian. Uh, not around the circuits, kind of an influential guy. Uh, he would actually warm up the crowd uh, before episodes of Saturday Night Live back in the day. And uh, he's best known as playing Detective Frank Munch on the NBC uh, show Homicide Life on the Streets for about seven years. That, that was where his character first appeared, but then the next 20, he was on Law & Order SVU, so he went from Baltimore to New York. But uh, the character has made the rounds on other shows, including The X-Files, 30 Rock, and um, Sesame Street. Imagine be, uh, your character being in some weird cinematic universe or television universe uh, where Homicide, X-Files, and Sesame Street coincide. Uh, no, but it was, it was kind of, I remember the X-Files thing because, like, uh, Friday night, X-Files was on uh, Fox, 9 o'clock, uh, and then Homicide was on at 10 o'clock on NBC, so he, there he would be grilling the lone gunman about the latest conspiracy on the X-Files during his guest spot. And then, uh, you know, over the next network next hour, here he is, is trying to solve a murder in Baltimore. But uh, condolences to his family. Richard Belzer gone at the age of 78. Uh, Jimmy Carter, former president of the United States, entering hospice care, meaning that he's basically going to be at home um, getting medical care, giving up treatments for various ailments. It looks like he's at the end of his road, uh, 98 years old, as, uh, as I'm talking here. Uh, but 98's a pretty good run, uh, and he stayed active and, uh, you know, did charitable things like Habitat for Humanity. And, and uh, when it comes to, you know, scandals, you, you really didn't hear about a lot of Jimmy Carter's scandals after his term. I mean, he kind of just went off and did the charity thing, which is good because, you know, the more you stay in politics, uh, you know, uh but uh, certainly uh, thoughts and prayers to his family as uh, you know they're preparing to say goodbye eventually. And uh, this one kind of hits a little harder home here for any guy uh, that's watched a movie ever in the last 30 or 40 years. But uh, Bruce Willis, you know, he's uh, 67 years old. He's got uh, you know aphasia. That was a diagnosis last year where uh, he has trouble talking and has to have people communicate for him. Well, it's gotten worse to the point where he's now having dementia at the age of 67. And uh, 
Good God, man. I mean, like, 67 is not exactly young, but you don't really associate dementia with anybody until they get about, oh, 70 or so anymore. At least that's that's kind of my perspective on that. But uh, I was watching the kid, Disney movie with the kids downstairs, because they're a little too young to watch something like Die Hard or Pulp Fiction. Uh, even the fifth element's kind of bizarre for them. But, uh, you know, you just... Uh, Kind of the everyman that could do an action movie and a comedy movie. And, I, and that's what made Die Hard work so hard, or so well, actually, was the fact that uh, here you have the hero, you know, brave as all get out, but also getting the uh, the living shit kicked out of him. And Bruce Willis made that very believable. But uh, dementia, if you've had, I can think of at least two family members no longer with me that had that in the last moments of their lives. And it's just, it, you're basically seeing a shell of what they were. I mean, it's them, but it's it's not them. Uh, the the personality is not coming forth. Uh, that they, they don't know who they are. They don't know who you are. They, you, you, it's, it's brutal. And uh, certainly, certainly uh, hope for the best with his family. But uh, Bruce Willis going through this now and uh, kind of sad to think about, really. Okay, um, quick balloon update to make things a little more light, so to speak. Uh, you remember after the, uh, the Chinese spy balloon was shot down after crossing our continent, we just got trigger happy and started shooting anything down with a $400,000 missile. Apparently, uh, this the one balloon that was shot down over Lake Huron we're never going to see again, or alleged balloon. The other one up in the Yukon that was shot down for Canada... Uh, may not have been a spy balloon. In fact, it may have been a weather balloon for a hobbyist club out of Illinois. <laughs> so we, we we took a $400,000 missile and shot a damn uh, hobby balloon out of the sky somewhere in the Yukon. And uh, the, you know, the administration is kind of... Uh, keeping mum about that right now yeah it's not a good look but i mean we, we just got paranoid you know one balloon we like you know traipse over us for a week and now we're like oh there's there's spies everywhere and chances are yes there's spies everywhere i mean hell you you know you probably have a teenager that uh, uses tiktok for crying out loud um and it, it, i just noticed it's kind of quiet until about an hour and a half before this podcast that i'm recording where now there's another balloon uh a white balloon just northeast off the uh, coast of Hawaii and uh, it's kind of raising some eyebrows we'll see what happens with that if it's uh, indeed a Chinese spy balloon or another hobbies balloon rest assured we're going to overreact or underreact we're not we're not going to react appropriately we're just whatever happens happens as uh, they're having problems in the skies now here uh, over there in Hawaii and I guess uh, problems uh, just before takeoff in Chicago, um, this really blew my mind. And my mother-in-law brought this up with me a couple of days ago. I had to look this up on um, a few websites. But, uh, uh, you know, the Chicago mayoral race is kind of tight. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, she's the Democrat, and she's being challenged by a Democrat. There's no such thing as a Republican in Chicago, by the way. They're, they're extinct in Chicago, much like the Dodo. And uh, funny episodes of Saturday Night Live. But uh, the the thing that's come up is just how everybody's upset 
that there are homeless people now camping out within the airport, Chicago's O'Hare International, an international airport, one of the busiest airports uh, in these here United States. And uh, it's kind of funny because I was reading off of uh, one, uh, I think this is like the ABC affiliate of Chicago, I was reading their website. Uh, you know, uh, Lori, I, I keep wanting to call her Gordon Lightfoot, that's not, no. Uh, Lori keeps referring to them as uh, homeless people, as most people do. Uh, the the network, uh, the ABC affiliate, refers to them on their website as unhoused. Homeless is on PC, but unhoused is okay. It's the same damn thing. And by the way, we'll get to some of this new speak coming up here in just a few moments. But I mean, Chicago. I've only been only been there a couple times, which is weird because I only live about maybe three, four hours away from Chicago. Um. Uh, but the one time I remember going there, I mean, the, the homeless problem, even 20-odd years back, was friggin' bad. Uh, and I was on the south side of Chicago, and uh, I remember being, uh, this was like uh, me being a, um, a van driver for a group of uh, Korean exchange ex uh, students at uh, Ball State. Me and a buddy, you know, we got paid for this. We were trying to... Um, uh, finds a place to eat, you know, and uh, this professor's husband says, oh, I, you know, who grew up there, he goes, I know a great place we can go and get some, you know, chili dogs, you know, like a food truck outside a church. It was a Sunday morning. Everybody was wearing their Sunday best except for those who were homeless. And uh, it was almost like a third world country. Some of these homeless people ha actually had literal bugs flying around them. And I've, you know, seen homeless people here in Fort Wayne and it's not quite that bad, but it was almost like, you know, some of those, uh, Sally Struther commercials, and uh, one guy comes up to me and he goes, "Hey man, uh, you got a dollar?" And I was like, "Yeah." Now I barely had any money because I was a college student at the time, and you know when you're in college and you're paying for things, you got enough money for maybe food and a six pack of something cheap uh, for the weekend. Um, and I had happened to have thirteen bucks in my wallet that I needed uh, for the rest of that day, plus to get back to well, Muncie which is a magical place, as you know. Um, and so I open up my wallet. I'm giving him a dollar. He looks in my wallet as I am opening it. And he goes, hey, you got more money in there. I'm like, yeah, but I need this. And he goes, go get me a soda so I can give him more money. So he wanted me to buy him a soda and more money. And, then of course, the uh, professor's husband stepped in before things got ugly. But, I mean, it's, it's aggressive up there. So it really doesn't surprise me necessarily that uh you know the homeless have gotten more bold and and you know and uh brave about this shit and they're now camping out in an airport a major airport and they don't give two shits about it and the fact that you know security hasn't thrown a lot of these people out there, there kind of seems to be kind of a a sense of apathy or maybe they feel like their hands are tied because if they do do something, they're going to be at risk to a lawsuit. But, I mean, this should not happen. It's not surprising, but it just kind of shows you how crazy things are in the Windy City. Um, and it makes you kind of wonder, well, if they're going to be this brave to, you know, go to the airport, where else will they camp out? And keep in mind, the airport's not exactly downtown. It's off to the west by about 15, 18 miles, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's what they're dealing with in Chicago. But, you know, uh, Lori, uh, she she's not dealing with near the shitstorm as one Tiger Woods is right now. Um, 
Thursday. This has got to be one of the dumbest non-controversies in the history of non-controversies. But Thursday, I guess he's at the Genesis Invitational, 47 years old, just getting back from, you know, having his leg shattered into a car wreck. Uh, you know, he is golfing, and uh, he kind of razzes fellow golfer Justin Thomas on a swing. And he walks up to him as the cameras are rolling. This is a private joke. And he hands him a tampon. And, of course, Justin's laughing, being good-natured about it. But uh, the sports media, Jesus, they just clutch their pearls on this stuff. Now, I have some questions. Like, the first one that pops to mind is, why, why does Tiger Woods even have a tampon on him? <laughs> I mean, God... Uh, you know, does, does he have a, a girlfriend that he holds a purse for and uh, they kind of fell out or what what's the story behind this but uh, you know he hands it off it's a joke but you're not allowed to joke about things in um, in these new times in these fill in the blank times and people are just excoriating him and it, it's kind of funny to see the reactions how different they are um amongst sports writers and sports reporters and the general public because you know you would get these scathing editorials from these you know these brave and bold uh, sports writers sports reporters how could he this is sexist this is misogynist this has no place in today's society even though he was giving this to one person and the cameras just happened to be on them at the, t at the time uh but then you look at the comment section and usually you know if you know anything about facebook you know the leading emoji reaction is the first one you see and it's just laugh faces because people are laughing at these sports writers for being complete douchebags and it's a lot of women are like it's just a gag between two dudes they get over yourselves even i find it funny i mean like a lot of women have been saying that so uh it seems like women actually have a sense of humor and sports writers don't weird how that works but my favorite one, and keep in mind, I myself am a girl dad. I mean, I'm a boy dad, too. I got the bub. But Lana and Hazy, you know, I got two daughters. They're not quite of age yet. But just the guilt trip that some of these sports writers are giving Tiger Woods for handing another dude uh, a tampon here. Uh, it's like, well, he's a girl dad, and you know, his daughter should be ashamed, and he should be ashamed of what he did. And I'm thinking, you know, I... Uh, Given what he did a few years ago to this girl's mom and all those uh, all those Waffle House IHOP waitresses that he was hooking up with, I I think that his daughter would be a little more resentful toward that than uh, you guys blowing up a big tampon joke. <laughs> For Christ's sake, it is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen, but it's not it's not surprising. And by the way, you know. Um, a few weeks ago, these same sports uh, writers and reporters and whatnot were having a bitch fit about uh, Tony Dungy uh, and the, the kitty litter thing when he was commenting about on Twitter uh, tampons in the men's room at schools. And, of course, you know, you can't, you can't talk about it. So you, you have to run uh, your jokes and your commentary by these unhumorless uh, people. Uh, before you can do anything otherwise uh you know they go full spanish inquisition on you and of course tiger woods said i'm sorry if this offended anybody blah blah tiger woods shouldn't have said shit he should have just shrugged and went yeah guys just get a sense of humor and moved on god it, it but this is but these the sports writers and a lot of sports reporters don't 
report sports anymore. They report uh, how somebody else's behavior is not theirs and has no place in society. But the the disconnect between these people clutching their pearls over Tiger Woods and uh, the people that watch golf, people that watch sports, it's amazing to me. And uh, it's it, it's proof that uh, we've moved on from the Will Smith slap because now we're... Um, we're now grandstanding on the uh, Tiger Woods tampon. Oh, what a dumb time to be alive. Uh, speaking of dumb times to be alive, um, Roald Dahl, uh, big-time author. He passed away, God, 30-odd years ago or something like that. But uh, he's the guy behind Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, uh, James and the Giant Peach. He's written some stuff that uh, you know your kids have probably read. You've read to them. You've seen in movies. Uh, his work is getting reworked by I think Puffin. It's the publisher. They hired. Holy crap! They hired sensitivity readers to read the original works and to uh, you know make the work fit best with today's society. So. It can be inclusive, and all can enjoy his books. This is what uh, uh, George Orwell would refer to as newspeak for those who uh, read 1984. And if you haven't read 1984, do so now before they edit that book. Um, but some of the changes that have been made, uh, the word fat and ugly, both those words having cut from it. Uh, Augustus Gloop from Charlie and the Choc Chocolate Fatter Factory, <laughs> if I can talk, no longer fat, but enormous, like it makes a friggin' difference. In the book, in the Twits, uh, uh, Mrs. Twit is no longer ugly and beastly, she's just beastly. Okay, so she's average beastly. Uh, let's see. Uh, in the Witches, paragraph explaining that witches are bald beneath their wigs, ends with a new line. There are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there is certainly nothing wrong with it, end quote. So they basically took uh, one premise in a book and turned it into uh, a, an unforgettable Seinfeld quote where, you know, Jerry and George were mistaken as gay, and they kept saying, but there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so there's they, they, they added this. They added a sentence to an original work that uh, uh, Rule Dahl didn't even write. Uh, write. Uh, in James and the Giant Peach, Centipede sings, Aunt Sponge is was terribly fat and tremendously flabby at that. Well, now it's Aunt Sponge was nasty old brute and deserved to be squashed by that fruit. Uh, Aunt Spiker was thin as a wire and dry as a bone, only drier. Now that's Aunt Spiker was much of the same and deserved half of the blame. It's not the same passage. Not at all. Uh, the word female has been replaced by woman. I don't know why. I don't even know why they changed it. Uh, but uh, Miss Trunchbull, the Matilda, is no longer the most formidable female. She's now the most formidable woman. Uh, Oompa Loompas are no longer small men, but small people. Cloud men and James and the Giant Peach are. Uh, they, they were cloud men, now they're cloud people. Uh, but uh, inclusive minds, um, which is a. Um, a, a group that they were the sensitivity readers and it's described as a collective for people who are passionate about the inclusion and accessibility in children's literature books by nature are not inclusive think about that for a minute books by nature are not inclusive 
you're getting the vision, the story, uh, the perspective of one person. Maybe, you know, if they're writing nonfiction, maybe they're writing an autobiography or historical account, they get multiple perspectives, but it's basically narrowed down to their writing. If books were inclusive, there would be no such thing as books. There would be book. There, there would be no multiple ideas. Sometimes a book will offend you. Sometimes you will not like a book. Sometimes you'll put a book hat down halfway and start up another book that you might like. That's the nature of books. You can't make it fit everybody's liking. And yet this group is basically watering down the vision of one rule adult. And they're probably not going to start stop at that. And, you know, people were laughing a year or two back at those who are saying cancel culture, which doesn't exist when it fails. But, you know, the cancel culture ideals of uh, stopping the publishing of a few Dr. Seuss books. Now we're doing this with uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, those books. It's only a matter of time before Huckleberry Finn is butchered and is whittled down to three pages. Uh, Catcher in the Rye, you might as well set that book on fire. This is the same shit, again, George Orwell wrote about in 1984. This is the same stuff that Ray Bradbury wrote in Fahrenheit 451, where people would get their panties up in a bunch about something they didn't like. Various groups would get offended, and so you had to water things down, and then you had to cancel the publications of books and change things around, and then eventually you just set fire to homes to people who owned books. I don't know if we're ever going to get that extreme, but God, this is a nice start right here. Inclusion. Sensitivity readers. If you don't like a book, don't read it. There's a novel concept. That's the same idea you should be taking with television shows, albums, and uh, movies and such. And, and by the way, uh, we, we had that instance not too long ago with both Lizzo and Beyonce and the Spazgate things where both singers said spaz in, uh, in each of their songs off of some albums, and because of that, they had to go back, rework the masters, and change it. And it's not like in the old days where you have uh, multiple pressings of an album and you eat the cost. Now you have things like Pandora and Spotify where you can just do this on the fly and the nature of the work has changed. And think about that. The more digital things get like albums, like books, the easier this gets. What you're seeing with Rural Dolls, uh, um, um, Dolls' um, work here is just a drop in the bucket and a sign of things to come. Kind of depressing. Yeah. Uh, but that's what they're doing now. But it's inclusive. Oh. You know, a show that's not inclusive, one that's always been kind of on uh, the cutting edge of kicking people in the balls is South Park. And recently they did that with Harry and Meghan, and they pointed out what I've said in past podcasts these people have made a living about themselves and how they're the victims. And they did this uh, full on with their previous episode. And it got to the point where the boys could not escape the fact that both Harry and Meghan are whores and will whore their lives out uh, to make a quick buck on Netflix or with Oprah Winfrey. And, uh, <laughs> and they even made them look like uh, the Canadian flapping heads on South Park, apparently. This is good stuff. Uh, but, you know, Megan was described as, you know, a, a sorority girl, actress, professional victim, or something like that. 
and and they would have imaging coaches uh you know work that up that whole angle and that's and that's their stick that's uh, that's how they remain relevant so much so that south park pretty much took aim fired and hit the nail right on the friggin head speaking of haters nickelback would like to thank the haters uh, chad kroger um recently talked about how the keyboard warriors out there have kept the band relevant i'm sure you know the people that actually like nickelback have bought the albums have gone to the concerts big part of that but uh just this weird hipster hatred of nickelback that even i can't i mean i'm not i'm not even a big nickelback fan but i can't understand the hate necessarily about nickelback because i've heard much much worse bands um <laughs> five finger dunk punch um but um uh, nickelback it's kind of like uh, the arena rock, the corp rock bands of the uh, late 70s, like Boston Journey. Um, that, that same kind of vein where, yeah, their music's kind of generic, but it's catchy and they have a fan base and they'll pack the house. Chad Kruger never, never has to worry about eating a meal for the rest of his life. He's going to be okay. Okay. Uh, but he talked about how, like, the haters just kind of make him relevant. He goes, you know, if these people just shut up about us, we would go away. We wouldn't be relevant relevant and a lot of bands that broke the same time uh that this band did are no longer as big or no longer together and here these guys are trudging on 20 25 damn near 30 years later doing their thing and he's got a point the more that haters talk about this band uh um the more successful they seem to be um doesn't work with every band mind you but it does with nickelback and it's kind of it kind of makes me depressed, not necessarily because of Nickelback, but uh, it doesn't look like we're going to be rid of Imagine Dragons anytime soon. Now, if there's a band that's worse than Nickelback, I, that doesn't even sound like a rock band. No way. Okay, um, a couple of quick things here. Uh, you remember when Elon Musk took over Twitter and he wanted to charge for verification, the blue check marks, because it's a status symbol, and, you know... You know, if you want to be uh, seen by more people, you should pay up and help offset the cost. And everybody's talking about how this was the end of Twitter. And, of course, some, you know, trolls took advantage of the system. They had shut it down for a second because everybody was getting verified. And, and Elon had to, like, retool some things. Well, I don't think it was necessarily a bad idea because he's being copied by Mark frickin' Zuckerberg. <laughs> because it was just announced this uh, over the weekend, maybe? That um, for Facebook and for Instagram, Mark Zuckerberg's going to be charging like 10, 12 bucks a month for you to be verified on those social media platforms. Yeah, Elon's got to be chuckling a little bit here. It doesn't seem like it was quite the failure that everybody else was making it out to be. And it's, it's kind of interesting, too, because with all the fallout and all the bitching from uh, previous Twitter employees and how twitter was going to fall and fail and all that other stuff it's still there and people are still using twitter it's amazing i mean something you know a lot of the loudmouths uh, uh that really never added anything to twitter left but uh you know there's still uh, quite a few celebrities on there there's still quite a few uh you know left-leaning people on twitter there's still you know a whole bunch of bitching on twitter it's fun to behold and uh the fact that the verification um the monthly charge thing for that is being emulated by what uh, musk would consider a competitor that says he's doing something right because if it was a complete cluster f 
uh, Zuckerberg wouldn't bother with that. But then again, Zuckerberg lost a, money, a lot of money on Meta, too, and the Metaverse. So <laughs> anything to offset co uh, cost, right? All right. So with all that said and done, one more story here. Um, and it reminds me of um, Dustin. He was a guy down in Kokomo who was a, uh, he ran a tattoo shop and uh, I did a couple radio broadcasts from there and off mic, you know, he, and this was a dude. I mean, if you run a tattoo shop, you got to have tattoos. Yeah, he had a nice sleeve on his arm and everything and he seemed like he appreciated the art that was on his body, but he knew that people would have tattoo regret and he talked about how people should really, really really think about what they're going to put on their body because it's going to be there for quite a long time right um got this story linked up on the mike davidson facebook page the picture itself is blurred out and with good reason well the the tattoo in question is blurred out with good reason because i guess uh, they were talking with some tattoo artists about tattoos they regret giving people and one guy, I mean, he did it, and I guess he did it very well because, again, this thing is blurred out <laughs> uh, in the story, I think, for the, what, the New York Post. Uh, he gave a gentleman, a young man, a face tattoo, I believe this is on his right cheek, of a vagina. And when this, you know, this kid asked him to do it, Tattooed artist is like, no, 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 no. I can't do this, man. This is going to be on your face forever. You you know, you, you sure about this? You sure about this? And the kid's like, hey, man, I'm going to give you a bunch of money. And so he did. And uh, voila, there's the uh, the tattoo. And I guess that even though he got paid for it, I mean, he, he feels bad because he couldn't talk this kid out of it. And I'm just thinking now that this kid's got it, he's. Yeah, if you have a, a a vagina face tattoo, you have to kind of grow a bushy beard, right? I mean, if you want to get work anywhere. Uh, but as somebody pointed out on Facebook, this kid's got like the, the, the peach fuzz on his nose. It's the type of mustache you would see a third shift uh, Taco Bell worker having. It's not going to work out for this dude. But it's just one of those things where, you know, body modification doesn't always work out. And it's best not to be a young person to make those decisions. I mean, Madonna, she's old and she's made some shit decisions. If I can impart any wisdom on anyone out there, it's don't, don't get a vagina face tattoo. All right, with that all said and done, I'm done. So are you with this episode. Till next time, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.